first topic. This is a topic that I have been wanting to dive into for a while. I've had a loose sort of knowledge around how challenging that content moderation really is, but we need better content moderation tools and we need them soon. Because if you've been living under a rock over the last week, Elon Musk, famous billionaire, richest man in the world, trying to buy Twitter. And the reason that he's trying to buy Twitter is because he, from a fundamental perspective, he believes in the power of free speech. He believes in the power of using Twitter as a sort of Times Square or a, yeah, a Times Square of, of social media conversations in order to bring greater awareness to different issues from all sides of the coin. That's what he feels very passionate about. And Twitter in and of itself is a platform that is very currently and has been for a while. It's been very polarized. It's it's uh, leans more democratic than Republican, and it's just hypocrisy abound on that platform. In order of what kind of news rises to the top and what news is labeled as misinformation, what people are click or what kind of people are are turned away from the platform, what kind of people are banned from the platform, what kind of people have their engagement rates increased dramatically because of the platform, and so that's what we're going to dive into because. Bots and spam and fake accounts and troll farms play a major role in the entirety of how Twitter operates. Let's talk about the fake problem on Twitter. I ran across these stats and these stats are about a year old, but 206 million users access Twitter daily, but 75% of those users are located outside of the U.S., 10% of US-based Twitter users create close to 92% of all tweets. That is one of the more amazing stats that I've ever heard in my life. And I don't know if it's like amazing in a good way or amazing in a terrible way. I have probably a little bit of both. But of those daily users, 48 million of those accounts are bought fake accounts on the platform. And there's been a, you know, sort of a fake and, you know, sort of bot account activity that happens on all social media profiles, but it is profound on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. And now that you know sort of, you know, the the why it's needed or why, you know, sort of the fake profiles exist on this platform. That's why we need to talk about content moderation. So let's talk about the basics first. And the basics of content moderation is that you want to stop the spread of misinformation. You want to stop the spread of hateful or violent content that is seen online. Now, on one side of it, it's very the, the content moderation side is very uh, human side. It's human created software that's in order to increase engagement, uh, aka bots and spams. On the other side of it is what Facebook calls false amplifiers. Now, when you have a false amplifier, that is a real person that is tasked with certain talking points of the day and and, and certain uh, messages that they want to make sure that they get across. Let's take a look at this click farm in order to grasp how some of these click farms and these troll farms and these bot and spam accounts that are are happening online. And if you're, you're just listening to the show, what it is essentially one woman sitting down and there are dozens and dozens, probably close to a hundred mobile phones that are sitting in front of her. And these are just 
one example of all of the different click and like bot farms, which helps to drive engagement. You know, with driving engagement, the minute you post something online, if you get a ton of likes on it, if you get some shares, if you get comments on it, that is a signal to the social media algorithm that this is good content that people want to see. And so the algorithm will then send it off to more people. This is how quickly the information can spread online, both the good and the bad kind. And so that's why it's so challenging in order to moderate this because you have the human side of it that is funding and creating software, but then you have the other human element to it that it's real people with real talking points and they're located all across the globe and they have certain talking points. And one of the scarier things that I was doing for for this research is this author, Nina, I, I can't pronounce her last name, Jakowski, I think this is I forgive me, I'm sorry, but her first name is Nina. And she's the author of How to Lose the Information War. And she was doing an interview with PBS NewsHour. And she said that with a lot of these different troll farms, that they are created in order to create distrust or distrust among institutions, discredit Western democracy in order to give Russia dominance on the world stage. So that's just one tiny fraction of it. Not all troll farms live in Russia. There is a good majority of them that do. Um, but there's also Eastern Europe has a, a large amount of, of troll farms and these bot farms that exist also in China and other foreign entities. Um, and it, maybe in the U.S., there's not that much information, surprisingly, on any you know U.S. activity that, that may be happening in. But this just sort of goes to show the large scale of not just the software side of things, but the human side of things, where humans are tasked with taking certain talking points of the day and taking those comments, posting them, and then using social media and bots and spam and troll farms in order to amplify those divisive statements. And so it's kind of like using software and humans uh, in a tandem to accomplish one goal. And that's either, it's not just misinformation and, and hateful and violent content that's being used by these, you know, different companies, but it's also promotional. If, it, you know, companies are paying to have a higher engagement on their maybe YouTube videos, for example. If you see a YouTube video with hundreds of thousands of views and nobody has commented and nobody has liked the video, that's a good sign of bot activity on that particular video. Somebody might feel a little self-conscious about the content that they post online. And so what they do is they hire or they buy one of these really, really cheap tools. They are very cheap. I've looked it up. It's about 10 to $20. And you can have basically any post or any hashtag that is posted within a certain time frame. Your profile can automatically like that photo or it can automatically give you a view and it overinflates, you know, a, a, some of the content that people put online. So those are, you know, kind of a, a little bit of like use cases for a lot of these different tools. It's not just for misinformation, but it's to promote a company and even to take down a competitor. Um, so there's lots of different uses for these different spam and, and bot accounts. Now there are automated. Now when you're talking about different spam and bot accounts for social media, there are a lot of different tools, AI, in order to try to catch these accounts and prevent them from taking part in these different activities. They can be posts, they can be videos, they can be comments, uh, but not everything is caught by the software, which requires human moderators. And this 
cost companies billions of dollars in order to hire these content moderators because spending is just going through the roof. It's estimated to be close to $12 billion spent in content moderation by 2027. And it's just a, right now, currently in, in 2022, it's around $6 billion that's being spent. So it's a multi-billion dollar industry in order to try to combat you know, all of this nefarious act or actors and accounts that are happening online. So it's a very expensive problem in order to combat too, because essentially this is a content moderation is a problem for everyone. User targeted, user targeting has been incredibly accurate for years. Up until just recently, Apple, you know, uh, uh, back in October of 2021, they released a new operating software, a new operating system that prevents a lot of third-party app tracking on their devices. But it's not just their devices. There are other Samsung just an or it was just announced yesterday that Samsung has now taken over as the number one phone provider in the world. So those operate off of Android software and those sort of tracking abilities still exist in an Android environment. So Apple is trying to tackle privacy, but they're probably trying to tackle privacy for their own data sharing needs and that they want to share it with certain partners instead of, you know, just everyone having the ability to access all of their data for free. Um, so when I say that content moderation is a problem for everyone, it's just exacerbated on social media because people have a very challenging time trying to identify what is a fake account and what isn't a fake account. It takes a lot of software and servers and and just people to manage all of this data. And even with AI helping, there are still things that fall through the cracks, lots of things that fall through the cracks because the human side of content moderation are these content moderators that are tasked with viewing anywhere from 250 to, to 300 pieces of content every day. And when you're talking about you know, these content moderator jobs, it's it really just falls on the initial hiring practices. Because a lot of these workers that are taking these jobs, they're, they're third party contractors. So companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter, they don't necessarily have a large budget attached to folks who are doing content moderation internally hired, you know, by Google. It's a lot of these third party contractors that these companies use in order to take advantage of low wage workers and how they do it. And this was a, this is coming from a Verge article, but they sold the job by an employer like Facebook by telling them that these content moderators are sort of sold a bill of goods that, Hey, you're going to be helping to make a difference. You can help bring justice to people and animals. And that's how they're sold on what the job is going to entail. But then you you're, you're essentially helping Facebook do their job and helping Facebook moderate this content for them. And the salary is okay. It's about $15 an hour. Uh, it, you're, if you're looking at the screen right now, a, a content moderator who works at Cognizant, which is a third-party contractor of Facebook, they make about $29,000 a year. So it's it's a very like sort of low-wage job. And the problem with this is that they're seeing so many things that are messed up. They're, they're I, I, you know, I won't go into the worst parts of humanity because I'm sure you can imagine the worst parts of humanity with, um, with children, with animals. These are the kind of things that these content moderators are seeing. On average, they last about three months on the job. And it's really 
heartbreaking because they do not have access to regular therapy, especially after they leave the job. A lot of them suffer from PTSD. A lot of these employees, I was reading that at at Cognizant, they have an average of nine minutes a day with a licensed therapist that's inside of the office to deal with more than close to 300 pieces of just horrible content that just leaves you. It it stays with you. This isn't imagery that you can get out of your head. It stays with you for years. There was one woman who was actually one of the rare few that that, that were hired by Google in order to do their internal content moderation. And she explains that there's never going to be enough money to make this okay. She was making good money. She wasn't making... $29,000 a year. Now she, because of all of the messed up things that she saw during her content moderation journey, she didn't last very long in that job. But now she suffers from PTSD. She has to get regular therapy. She has a therapy dog. So she has all of these different uh, things that she has to now maintain because of her short time doing content moderation. That's how serious the psychological effects are for these content moderators. And it's there's no recourse for these moderators who spend a few months on the job, realize this is terrible work. I don't want to do this anymore. And then they have no access to to, to therapy in order to manage all of the things that they've seen. So it really is just a, it's a challenging thing that people have to deal with from an emotional perspective on the moderation side, not even necessarily from the creation side of things, just trying to make sure that things that, that are publishing to their platform is somewhat okay in order to be published to that platform. And then think about all the things that do make it through. A lot of these moderators, if they don't have a nine over 90% accuracy rate, then they will be fired from their job. Meaning that if they identified something as not as as being okay to publish and they were wrong on that, they have to keep that accuracy score 90% or above or they lose their job. And again, this is just one more just caveat onto just the challenges of what you have to deal with whenever you are, 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 are be employed by these content moderators and you're sold a bill of goods that you're helping to do the right thing, you're helping to bring justice to people, and then you're not offered uh, any kind of therapeutic benefits and you suffer PTSD on the job. It's, it's frankly just a, a crap job. And I'm not sure how companies are going to be able to recruit folks to do this in the future because this is a problem right now. And it has been a problem. We showed the graph earlier with the increase of spending that's going to take place over the next year, over the next handful of years. And it's billions of dollars that is going to be increased. So the other caveat to this, and we've talked about this on previous shows, is that the, the AI and the creator tools that are existing in the marketplace is sort of incredible. From a one-person marketing team perspective, there, there's uh, there's lots of different solutions out there. And we've talked about the power of content creator tools using artificial intelligence. And let's bring up one example because I personally use copy.ai to regularly help me rephrase and, and get ideas to rework a lot of my copy, whether it's for emails or websites or social media. If you're watching the screen right now or if you're listening to the show, essentially what it is, it looks like a glorified, you know, a doc document editor where you enter in a few bullet points, the topic that you want to cover, and the software will then spit out hundreds of words that you can use and you can straight up just copy that and paste it into your website or copy that and paste it into an email. So from 
the non-nefarious side of things, that is a really good tool for folks to use, especially folks like myself. Uh, But I will say that it's starting to get to a line where I'm not exactly sure how I want to continue using this and where the ethics are involved. That same software spit out a thousand word blog article for me the other day. I wanted to just do, I saw a TikTok video on, on how to do it. I went into the software that I've already paid for and I created it and then I read it and it was very good. Very good article, thousand words, easily could rank for that keyword on SEO. If I post that article to my website, I haven't posted it, but I'll tell you if copywriter had given that me that article or like a freelancer had given me that article, I would have published it within a day. But the fact that a computer wrote it, I feel a little icky about publishing it. I'm thinking maybe I'll do it just to see if I can, you know, maybe uh, do an experiment on it and share it with you guys. Let me know if you're interested in that. Um, because I, I would love to be able to play around to see if this is legitimate, that I could rank for a keyword using these different tools because it's not just on the written word side of things. It's also on the creative side of things when it comes to imagery, because there's another tool called Dolly that will take the text that you input into their software. This is still in beta right now, but basically uh, they have a few examples on their website. It's called dolly.ai. I believe that's the, the, the web address in order to check it out, but you can insert a few keywords and then the uh, the AI just comes up with the image and it can either be an illustration image. It can look like a real image. It's, it's a lot of just crazy examples. If you're watching on the screen right now, this is an illustration of an avocado in a tutu or an illustration of an avocado with headphones walking a dog. These are the random things and the random verbs uh, verbiage that you can place into their software and it will create an image for you instead of trying to buy stock photos or to um you know or not or get stock photos or to buy them from like a, you know an a, a adobe stock photos sh- uh, shop so it's all of these different tools that maybe this dolly tool could replace and you would have original images to use for your site now Knowing everything that we talked about before with the issues of content moderation right now, currently, with all of these other tools to help create content and images faster and original images and original content, we can create all of these things so much faster. So content moderation is going to get incredibly more challenging, especially if it's powered by AI. So to sort of bring it full circle, I mentioned Elon Musk earlier in the show of how he's trying to buy Twitter. I believe that he is one of the few people on the planet. He fundamentally, uh, you know, is, is for free speech and he is just a mad scientist, crazy person in order to take on the problem of tackling the, the Twitter spam problem in order to make it a platform that allows for free speech in order to take place. And if he allows for free speech in order to take place, then what's going to happen is he's going to have to get rid of all of the bot accounts that are responsible for, for spreading a lot of misinformation, spreading a lot of hateful information and fixing the algorithm. He is the only really one of the few people that has the funds to do it and passionately cares about it because he stated, he, he stated in several interviews that he doesn't care about making money with the platform. He just is, is a fundamental user and lover of the platform and he wants to see it improve. So I, I, I think 
Time will tell if he's allowed, quote unquote, to buy Twitter and it becomes a more enjoyable experience for more people than just a tiny fraction of Americans who tweet on a daily basis. But if he doesn't do that, then it's really up to us in order to take control of our own timelines. If we see people that are, you know, posting hateful content, you know, it's really up to us to sort of, you know, hone in and and trim down our feed, unfollow the negative accounts. Try to decipher if accounts are real or not. Um, you know, trying to figure out. You know, you can just do this on like a use by use cases in order to, to for example, uh, to find a Twitter account that is probably fake. They probably have six or seven numbers behind their name, or they don't have a profile photo, or they the account is like four months old, or all they do is just retweet other things. These are kind of signals that can tell if that account is fake or not. That also goes for other platforms like Instagram. I can't look at, you know, an Instagram post now from a major account without seeing a ton of bots and crypto scams and all of these other different things that are all posted in the comments. So it's not just a Twitter problem, but until these bigger content moderation issues are solved, it's really up to us as individuals in order to hone in and trim the fat from our feeds and control our own experience. So we're not being gaslit. So we're not being put in a negative place. And that social media can become a more enjoyable experience. Back when it was a really good experience before the bot activity took over, which really wasn't shortly after. Content moderation has been a problem for a very long time. And so... We'll see if anybody even wants to fix it, wants to try to fix it. But that would also require a lot of these different platforms to admit that they let this problem get to where it is in the first place by not having certain identification factors, um, uh, you know, authorizing factors put in place whenever people create the profiles to begin with. So that's my little rant on on content moderation. It just did as just sort of a heads up that it is very difficult. But at the same time, you know, we really need to take ownership of our own profiles as well and our own social media feeds in order to create a better experience for ourselves. Maybe some people are just crazy and they like to be mad all day, but that's not me. And I imagine that's a lot of other people as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts, along with my products and services, in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremley, and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.